Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is episode 161 of the show, and today we've got Mrs. Judy Mobley joining us, and she is the CEO of Children's Hunger Alliance. Judy left Patel to join the CHA team, and today they are working tirelessly to make sure that all the children throughout our great state of Ohio have food available to them if they're hungry and are getting the right physical activity. I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. And as always, we hope you learn a lot. Before we jump into that interview, though, we got to take a quick moment to thank some of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we've got Judy Mobley joining us. And Judy is the CEO of Children's Hunger Alliance a local nonprofit with the mission of ensuring that children without access receive healthy food, education, and physical activity. And in Ohio, one in five children are unsure of where their next meal will come from because every region faces its own unique barriers for meal program participation. Tailored solutions are necessary to create sustainable hunger relief. And we're really excited to have Judy on the show today to discuss everything her team is doing to help children across the state. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Judy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here as well. And Typically, one of the first places we like to start is just talk about the beginning. 
everything from your early life, some of the places you stopped along the way in your career, and high end, like everything that led you to working at Children's Hunger sure. Alliance, maybe Happy. the big moments. Yeah. So I am a Ohio born and bred girl, uh, about an hour from here in a little town, Prospect, Ohio, and came to Columbus to go to Ohio State and didn't go home and actually moved from Ohio State across the street to Battelle. So I spent the majority of my career at Battelle, really 30 years out of 35 at that point. When I was looking for what I was gonna do kind of in this final chapter of my career, I wanted to do something where I could really see the difference that I was gonna make. So start back at the Ohio State. Um, what did you study while you were there and then what attracted you to Battelle and what did you continue to work on project-wise while you are at Battelle? Yeah, absolutely. So I initially was in the School of Home Economics in uh, fashion merchandising and didn't find that as challenging as I had hoped. So I moved over to the School of Business, which was a big switch, but definitely challenging. Actually studied marketing uh, with a side of accounting. And then it turns out as I left there, the first job I got was in accounting. The second job I got was in accounting. I went back and got the classes that I needed to um, sit for my CPA exam. So it was a little bit of a, uh, not a straight path, but I've, so I've been a CPA for many years now and my role at Battelle was in the finance side of things. Do you think being that CPA has helped as you've taken on your current role? I mean, I, I've always heard from most accountants and business people, right? Like knowing accounting is always super important to your business yeah. understanding and business sense. Has that helped a lot as you continue to move up the ladder? Sure, absolutely. And in, in this current role of really running a small nonprofit, the first things that I looked at were efficiencies. When we go out every day and we ask people to share in this mission, unite with us to feed these kids that are hungry across our state, I take that very seriously. And so we looked at everything. Anytime we had another uh, agreement, a contract that was coming due, before we just signed to renew, we looked at it to say, is this something we really need? I can give you a good example. We were paying for IT support 24-7. And when I looked at who's really using it on the weekend, it was me and one other staff member a little bit on a Sunday night. So if I can't get in on Sunday night, that's awesome. And I just won't work Sunday night, right? But that saved us about $10,000. So looking at those kind of things, you know, a lot of people that don't have that, I guess, finance mind wouldn't even think about that. So it has helped for sure. So your career at Battelle began to wrap up. You know, what kind of uh, inspired you and, and pushed you over the edge to want to move into, you talked about another chapter, like what did that look like for you yeah. from? Well, Battelle was an amazing place to have my career. The best part about it obviously is the people. And second, lots of different opportunities. So unlike many organizations, I could stay there, but I used to wonder if I had a five-year itch you know, I'd be getting a little bored and I wanted a new challenge and Battelle provided that for me without leaving. I just could go to a different area. So they actually, I really wasn't thinking about leaving and they offered uh, early retirement. And I was a little bit on the young side of thinking about doing that, but the add-ons made it, again, the finance person in me sat and did the calculation and you could not take it. So um, I took that leap and said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find something to do in this last part of my career, whether that's five years or 10 years or whatever it ends up, where I'm not gonna look at the money side of it like many of us do, 
I'm going to look at the what is it I'm really wanting to do. And that's what took me to Children's Hunger Alliance. I love the mission. It's pretty easy to get behind trying to take care of and help kids that are hungry. So I guess my follow-up question would be why Children's Hunger Alliance in particular? Yeah. Why not another nonprofit? What did you know somebody at well, CHA? Well, yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting story. So as everybody does, you have your networks, right? And as I knew I was going to take this early retirement, I made that decision in a September time frame, and I was going to stay until the end of February. So I started reaching out to different people, um, you know, outside of Battelle that I had been associated with. And it was a friend that was at Chase who said, oh, I've got somebody I want you to meet. I met that. It was a small accounting firm. Um, just chatted. Didn't know if they'd have anything. And then came back later, and that gentleman called me and said, I've got somebody else I want you to meet. And then a call that said, oh, there's this opening at this organization. I think you'd be great. So that's how it happened. So I really didn't do a lot of job search at that point. I had that one and, you know, went for a couple interviews. And it seemed like it almost was like it was meant to be. Mm -hmm. So natural fit for me. It's an interesting chain of phone calls and yes. events, right, taking you yep. all the way there. Uh, so you get that interview, you get first day on the job, right? What is the early, like, first couple weeks look like are you you know learning the business are you learning what the organization's mission is about like yeah what are you taking a look at yeah so I actually went into Children's Hunger Alliance as their senior vice president of finance and operations and I was in that role for about nine months and our CEO took another position and the board um, asked me to step in so during that time of course operations piece I have to learn about the business how are they bringing revenue in and what are they doing to help feed kids and then I had the finance hat too of how are we going to afford to do this and are we doing things again efficiently. First couple weeks I can recall having a very large contract that I took home to read and I came back a couple days later and said so help me understand where the deliverables are and who has responsibility for each piece of this and my answer was that the answer I got was a little concerning because it was well there's a lot of people and in my experience, when there's a lot of people and there's no one person taking ownership, that can lead to issues. So that was a first, let's get this under control. We can't have it be a lot of people. And from there, I think it's just kind of snowballed and we're doing things so much more business-like than I think people might expect from a nonprofit. Um, I mean, many nonprofits are run very, very well. Mm -hmm. But the, many times you hear people say, oh, well, we're just a nonprofit. Right. So we don't say that at Children's Hunger Alliance. We're just a nonprofit. We are trying to run like a business who happens to feed kids. You know, the better I do at that, the more kids I can feed. Right. So you're there for nine months, and then the CEO role opportunity opens up. You know, what goes through your mind at that point? Do you do you feel like you're already ready to step in? Are you excited about that or a little bit apprehensive? Um, uh, honestly, if I'm really honest, I would say the role I was in, I felt like was probably a harder role than what the CEO role was because I really had operations and finance, so I had everything. So no, I wasn't concerned about being able to do it. I was concerned about getting the right people in the right roles to be able to support me. And I would say even now, several years later, I'm still really down in the weeds farther than I would like to be, but I still feel like I have to be because 
if I'm going to go out and talk to people about why they should support us and give us money, I need to be able to talk about the true details of the work, and I need to feel confident that we're doing it well. And there's still so many improvements that we can make. We're really excited about something we're going to do this next year that really turns our after-school model almost on its head in a positive way from a financial perspective for us to then be able to do more. So that's what it's all about. How can we have more money to do more? When you first take that CEO role, what's the size of the organization at that point? Uh, 62 people. And then we fast forward to today, and where are we at? 50. 50. So we downsized a little bit, trying to be a little more efficient. Again, this was started when I was still in my initial role, but I, you could take a look at one particular area, and they run their job is around caseloads. And so I could ask the question, what's a, what's a traditional caseload, whether if they're in the city or if they're in a rural area, and I got that buy-in. And then you go and do the analysis of it, and we probably had three people, if you put it all together, I was three people high mm -hmm. compared to caseload. So we just reallocated the caseload. Now, we tried very, very hard to do that through natural attrition as opposed to actually letting people go. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, we just were, um, I would love to be at the point, and we're starting to get there, where we're gonna be able to add some people back. Right. Um, but at that point, we just couldn't afford that. No, that makes a lot of sense, and that's always a tough decision. But uh, you, you mentioned talking about the details of the work. Can we dive a little bit into Absolutely. the details for yeah, CHA and, and how you guys accomplish your mission? Yeah, so we think of our work in a couple different areas, uh, one being direct feeding of children. And we do that through after-school programs, in-home family daycare, and child care centers. And the other part of our work we think of as advocacy work, and that's uh, breakfast trying to get schools to increase their breakfast participation and summer work. It's a really dire statistic, but only 10% of the kids that rely on uh, school breakfast and lunch have access to a summer meal program. So those kids really are the ones in the summer, you know, it may only be, you know, 10 or 12 weeks, but if their refrigerator and cupboards are bare, you know, they need somebody to step up and help them have something to eat. All right, Conquerors, we're going to take a quick break here in the show to tell you about a group called Columbus Gives Back. If you're looking for a way to get involved in your community, but you don't know where and how to start, look no further than Columbus Gives Back. By partnering with over 150 Central Ohio nonprofits, Columbus Gives Back makes volunteering fun and easy by offering 30 to 40 volunteer events each month that are free of cost, commitment, and hassle. Sign up for your first event today at columbusgivesback.org. That's columbusgivesback.org. Conquering Columbus would also like to take a moment to thank the 11th Candle Company. 11th Candle Company may be in the business of selling candles, but the social enterprise thrives on igniting hope. Employing women who have experienced human trafficking, 11th offers the resources to redeem, empower, and support them on their journeys to burn bright again. Every candle sold shines a light on an issue that often walks in darkness and provides hope to once trafficked women on their path to redemption. Come pour your own candle of hope at Polaris Fashion Place across from the Apple Store or visit www.11thcandlecompany.com. That's www.11thcandlecompany.com and that'll be linked down in the show notes. All right, Conquerors, let's get back to this episode. So you mentioned a little bit in the beginning, you know, looking at this from more of a financial perspective when you first joined and saying, okay, you know, what are our revenues? What are our costs? 
where did the revenues come from? Like, how are you guys getting support for the organization? Sure. And then uh, on the flip side, you know, when the costs come in, you talked about from a high level what those initiatives look like, but what are some of the more strategic initiatives that you guys are working yeah. on? So from a revenue perspective, a few of our programs are uh, USDA, federal nutrition programs. And I can give you a good example of that. In our after-school programs, many times we go and get a food vendor. And we, the site has no financial burden. So the site says to us, we've got 50 kids in an after-school program. Will you be our sponsor is what it's called. So we then do the claim, get the money, and we pay for a food vendor. So it sounds great. You're getting this money from the federal government. But the fact of the matter is that financial piece barely covers the meals. So vendors know what that federal reimbursement is and many times charge us exactly what that federal reimbursement is. So I still have to have people to do all the things it takes to run a federal program. Monitor it to make sure they're doing it right, file the claim every month, you know, go through an audit with Ohio Department of Education. So, but that is a big part of where we get funding is through federal. We also have, I could go down through a list here locally and across the state, you know, many, many organizations, corporate and individuals, but you know, none of them will surprise you. AEP, Nationwide, Cardinal Health, you know, L Brands. I, I fear to say more for forgetting somebody, but you know, uh, really, really great community support. And then individuals that really just have a heart for this work that support us too. And is there a good place people can go if like our conquerors out there listen if they want to help support the cause is there a place they could navigate to yeah absolutely childrenshungerlines.org mm -hmm. and if i didn't put a plug in for this so we're we've always had something called lunch money challenge but i brought on a new development leader um, actually a year ago right now in fact today might be her one year anniversary now that i say that and i said to her this is a great idea but we've never done a good job of it or we haven't used it as well as we could have and so lunch money challenge is just launching again and what it does is um, the average american spends eleven dollars and forty cents for lunch each day and so we go to an organization and say you know take the challenge you know they'll get a little lunch box they'll get stickers that say i fed a kid today and all kinds of things like that but we're excited. Um, Honda is actually launching it tomorrow, and it's their 40th anniversary, so they're doing it with all of those their associates for a full week, and then they're going to match whatever they get from their associates. And honestly, that $11.40 takes care of a child for a day. That would be awesome if people would want to take that challenge with their either individually with friends or what we really want to do is find organizations that um, you know are willing to do it. Any other major initiatives or, or challenges like that or programs that you guys are running at the moment? Yeah, really, really excited. In fact, uh, they start Monday, and anyone interested in this work that would love to come and see it, we'd love to host them. We're uh, having four open sites here in Columbus this year for summer. So many times summer sites are out there, but you have to have a caring adult in your life to sign you up or you missed it. And I always sort of joke around but it's in all seriousness you know i raised two kids and i thought i was pretty on the ball and i missed a sign up now and again or maybe you were the 20th person in line and they only took 19. in this case any child up to 18 can come any day and have breakfast and lunch and summer um, the federal program doesn't require an enrichment 
to be part of the meal program, but we do have enrichment. So every day between 10 and 2, they'll do various things. You know, I know in a couple weeks we have somebody from the fire museum coming. So we try and have an activity besides just crafts and things like that that'll be there. Columbus City Council provided some of that funding for us. Huntington provided some of that funding. And the, the great thing about it was last year was our first year and we piloted that. And we anticipated we'd reach 125 kids and we reached over 700 kids. And while that's you know great, the gut-wrenching piece of it is sometimes you had a little child that might have been five or six carrying their little brother or sister on their hip to make sure that they got something to eat too. So um, it's really something that's needed. We selected four areas in the city that we felt had the most need. And it makes you realize, you know, you think with, hey, I live in the United States, I live in Columbus, we're in a great place, and we're all really lucky. Yeah. You know, but there are still those of us in our community that maybe aren't getting pulled up the same way that, that mm -hmm. everybody else is. Not all boats are rising with the That's ship. Right. So it's important to kind of keep that in consideration and help out when you can. One thing I, I had on our list last year, so you released, I think it was in October last year, you released your impact report. And right. Probably got another one coming up this year. But one of the one of the topics on the impact report talked about integrating mobile meal services in Southeast Ohio. And I wanted to learn a little more about that as well as some of the other initiatives you guys had last year that were successful. Sure. The mobile feeding is for summer. Mm -hmm. And again, if you can get our role in that, it's again advocacy. So we're not actually renting a bus and doing it ourselves mm -hmm. because we to hire people for that short period of time and then it would be a nightmare. Right. But we work with um, many times a school or a church or something like that. So a couple of our really great examples are schools who would take an old school bus and refurbish it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they are interested in doing it but don't have any funding. So we might have money I know we passed through some money that AEP gave us this year to different summer feeding sites. They just needed a, a little bit to get something going. And that's how the mobile feeding worked. They were able to go to multiple sites. So in summer, you have to have an application and the site has to be approved by ODE. So once that's done, when the time that you're going to feed has to be approved. So it's a very regulated operation. but. You don't have to do anything other than get the food there for the kids. You don't have to have it be inside, you know. So it's much freer, and it allows you to reach more kids. So the mobile meals um, in various cities have been really, really successful. And then what do the goals look like for the future? Like as you look into 2020 and beyond, you have... Yeah. You know, I'm sure that's already on the radar and you're already planning for that. Yeah, we're actually starting to think about, we're a 930 year end, so we're definitely starting to think about our budget for next year. Um, one of the things that uh, we're looking to do in our after school programs, many times sites don't want to, I'll say mess with, but don't want to deal with a hot meal or even a meal that needs to be refrigerated. So they would get a snack. And a snack consists of only two components instead of five if you get a meal. And so what we're going to do in Columbus this year is any of our sites that were just getting a snack, we're going to move them to something that's called a super snack. And then the kids will get five components. Now, it is a shelf-stable super snack, but the vendor that we're using is using all name brand items. Mm -hmm. So if I showed it to you, you would see things like craisins, you would see things that most kids are already eating, goldfish, packet of gold. 
a ch uh, string cheese. It is still all USDA balanced requirement, but it allows them then to give those kids more than they would have before without adding to the burden of the site. So we're excited. We think that's going to make a big difference. Yeah, it sounds like a good plan, I guess. So kind of pivoting towards some of our last questions of the show, and one that I have for you, it's built around, you know, you left for a nonprofit, you joined a nonprofit, and maybe some folks out there are considering it themselves. Mm -hmm. What would your advice be to someone who's thinking about that, and who would you suggest make that leap? Well, I would, there's a couple of things. First, you gotta find something that I think you really can get behind. And like I said, feeding hungry kids, that's pretty easy. Um, I think that you have to go into it with your eyes wide open. I can go every day and see the impact by just going to one of these sites and seeing these kids, but I'm not working less. I'm definitely not working less than I was at Battelle. And I, where, when I was at Battelle at the end, I had staff in various labs across the country, so I was on the road some. That was uh, something that I was surprised about. I truly had expected it to be a little less. And, and maybe if I'd stayed in my other role, it would have been for a while. But I would also say there's young people that decide that's what they want to do right off. And there's, there's people that are more mature in their careers that say, yeah, I'm going to do something now that really can have some meaning. I think they just have to look inside themselves and decide if that's for them. For me, the, the, the personal impact of it all has been meeting so many people of all ages that truly do care about others. And whether it's time or financially, really do want to make an impact. And it's made me more uh, philanthropic. I sort of told myself a year ago, okay, every time somebody asks you what you would typically do, think if you could double that, you know? And how many people come and ask you for a small donation? And if you do that, every one of those, you know, you are making a bigger impact. So, you know, I, it's obviously a personal choice, but at some point, you know, what I'd love is that we turned nonprofit work on its head a little and you didn't think about the fact that you had to have people that would make less money, so it's this huge decision. It'd be awesome if we could turn that around so it was more uh, impactful to have really good people that want to work in it because they know they could still make a good living for their families, and that's not always the case. But we certainly are trying to do that. You know, I want to pay my people a living wage and then some, so that they want to work in this field. But it's easier said than done. A lot of our listenership is uh, young professionals or mm -hmm. entrepreneurial in spirit, maybe 25 to 34 years old. Do you have any other general advice just for um, climbing a career or you know, as you progress in life that you, that you want yeah. to pass back to them? Well, I guess the one thing I would say is if they really do have a heart for this type of work, do it sooner rather than later. I think I would tell you that I always felt like I, you've heard this phrase, golden handcuffs, you know, especially for women in business. As you rose through the ranks and you got to a certain spot, you'd worked your tail off, not that men don't too, but there's a different point of almost, in my case, a little bit of a, a change in personality because you always felt like you were having to be a little stronger in how you took a stand on something. Um, that's you know, many times my husband would say, uh, you're home now, you know, we're not in that boardroom anymore. So yeah, I would say if it's really what your heart's telling you to do, just do it sooner rather than later. You can make the sacrifices if it's what you really want to do. It's much harder. It's like finishing college, knowing you're going to go get your master's and I'm going to work for five years. Really? Now you're going to go back and do without 
all these nice things you've been able to have because you've had a good and to, to be a student again it's that same idea in my mind that's a lot of great advice Judy and I think that's a good place to wrap things up the last questions of our show which is centered around the theme here on conquering Columbus and that's live uncomfortably mm -hmm. and without telling you too much about why Josh and I chose that what do you think of when you hear the phrase how does it apply to your life and career well the first thing I think of isn't necessarily how it applies to my life but it's the the kids that we're serving if anybody is literally living uncomfortably it's these kids you know as it applies to my life I think that when I made the choice to take the early retirement it was a choice I did consciously make that decision my kids are grown and gone and my husband and I were at a spot where it didn't matter if I made less money um, and so that was the decision I made that I am going to leave this and I'm going to find something that is really fulfilling in a different way loved my job at Battelle always felt like it was a great place to be and had they not offered that I'd probably still be there so it was a nice push to be able to do something here and you know it's interesting when when we are you know you get you get kind of complacent you go to work every day that's your routine the one thing that's been interesting to me and it really isn't about living uncomfortable that how it feels uncomfortable but when i see the pride that my family has in the work that i'm doing I'm really glad I decided to take that step. It sounds silly, but you always want your family to be supportive and be behind you, and they always have been. But it was because I was rising up, I was moving up the chain, the ladder. This is for a whole different reason. This is because of the good that we're really able to do. And Children's Hunger Alliance, the last couple of years, fed kids 14 million meals. So it's not any, you know, uh, small situation and there's so many more kids I you might have said it or I might have already said it it's over half a million kids so um, there's just still a lot of work to be done well Judy that's a great answer and thanks a lot for taking the time to tell your story and talk to us about children's yeah, hunger lines on the show thank you for having me yeah and conquerors thanks a lot for tuning in that was Judy Mobley she is the CEO of children's hunger Alliance if you guys enjoyed that episode and want to learn more about the organization check out the links down in the show notes uh, if you enjoyed that episode of course leave us a like Share us on Facebook. Give us a rating on iTunes. All your support really does help get the word out about conquering Columbus. Uh, again, appreciate you tuning in every week, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent, 
through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.